0: Joining me today in studio, a very special guest. He is the lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose and also speaker on a new broadcast here on KFAX called Grace to Live, heard Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here on KFAX. He's Pastor Keith Crosby. And Pastor Crosby, great to have you with us today. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And excited to have you not only as a brand new member of the KFAX uh, programming family, and I think listeners will also be interested to note as they make a destination point Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. to listen to your new broadcast, Grace to Live, that um, you come to the table with a pretty nice pedigree from a, a theological background. You are, in fact, a student of our good friend, Dr. John MacArthur. In fact, a graduate of uh, Grace Seminary. A couple of degrees there. Right.
1: Actually, the Master's Seminary. But yeah, I graduated twice. Uh, my Master's in Divinity in 2003, and then I received my doctorate in expository preaching in 2015. But you don't go by Dr. Crosby? I do not. I do not. I go by Keith. I'm not into titles. I just, uh, I'm just i just a servant of the Lord, sort of a ditch digger for Christ and... Uh, So titles aren't a big deal for me.
0: You came to the San Francisco Bay Area by way of um, SoCal down in Riverside. But originally, you and your spouse are from Savannah, Georgia.
1: That's right. Terry and I are both from Savannah. We grew up a mile and a half from each other, and we never laid eyes on each other for the first 30 years of our life. And then it was Love at First Sight, and uh, pretty the rest, much. as
0: they say, is the, the fairy tale story, Mary, what, almost 30 years? Almost
1: 30 years. It'll be 27 years in, in May. Fantastic. And uh, had
0: the calling to the ministry been something that was a part of your spiritual DNA
1: from the very beginning? No, I came from a pretty unchurched family. Uh, I was in the resort hotel business for 20 years, and... I was saved uh, late in the game, but uh, in God's perfect timing, and so when I was around 30, I came to Christ, and then my wife and I had about a five- or six-year discussion about seminary, and we determined that I I was too old to go, and so we waited another three years, and I went to seminary when I was almost 40. So help me understand the, the trajectory here
0: from uh, three decades practically mm-hmm. in the hotel, resort, mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. hospitality, trade mm-hmm. uh, into the ministry. When did you get the sense, Keith, that God was saying, I've got a different pathway for you to take here that's going to have nothing to do with where you've been for the last 30 years?
1: It really became a, a joyful burden for me. I was at a very large resort hotel outside in, in Orlando, Florida, and I had 5,000 guests a day, and that was my mission field, plus the staff. And, you know, as the laws began to, began to change, the labor laws, and as the culture began to change, it became increasingly difficult to connect with people, to share Christ with people. And so my wife and I had this discussion about we're really ministering part-time, even though we were serving in our local church. Uh, better to minister full-time, and so sort of like the Beverly Hillbillies, we loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly. We moved from the East Coast to the West Coast to go to the Master's Seminary in Sun Valley, California.
0: And as you mentioned, you completed um, two degrees there Mm -hmm. at Master's Seminary, and in terms of the direction that that God eventually led you from a 10-year serving in Riverside and now here mm-hmm. in the San Francisco Bay Area taking over as lead pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, a, a church that's got a, a long and rich spiritual heritage, mm-hmm. uh, many long-time No. Uh, Marvin Francine, and are aware of the fact, too, that as an EV free church, uh, Chuck Swindoll from Inside for Living has been a a frequent speaker, uh, gracing the pulpit of um, Hillside Church down through the years.
1: That's true. We have a very distinguished history. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. That's for sure. Even the president of the Evangelical Free Church in America, he was a previous pastor, and both he and Marv, Kevin Complin and Marv, are still in the congregation. Well, what a blessing to have that kind
0: of a uh, legacy mm-hmm. uh, upon which to sort of build the next generation of of this ministry and a ministry, I suppose, in some respects that that's changing. You work in an interesting mission field. You pastor in Silicon Valley, where the average resident is a college graduate, works in high tech, earns a six figure salary, drives a Tesla, and lives in a seven figure home. A lot of people would look at that demographic and say, "Hmm, most of those individuals." probably regard life as pretty swell, pretty easy, and therefore trying to persuade people of the need for Christ, that notion of sin and the separation that we all have yeah. from God must at times serving in a mission field such as the Bay Area and specifically Silicon Valley, must at times feel like a bit of an uphill battle.
1: You know, it's a glorious uphill battle. It's a good battle. It's a battle worth fighting because what we are, we're we're reaching an unreached people group, and that's who we set our sights on. I come from a background most recently where we were in an urban setting and we were uh, 46% Latino, 35% African American, and about 18 to 20% Caucasian. Here it's a different people group. Uh, The minority is the majority. These are people who, like you said, they're comfortable, they don't need God, life is great, they're paid well, they're working hard. But what they don't realize is that this life is short and eternity is long, and so our, our passion is to connect them to to the grace of God, to to reach out to them and to find ways to introduce them to the grace and the love of Jesus Christ.
0: Do you find a challenge, too, with a lot of the racial diversity by way of the fact that you have many workers that are immigrant workers that have come from other countries, other cultures that perhaps have no perspective, if you come, for example, from um, the communist China, say, sure, well, sure. you've lived in a vacuum of religion, practically speaking, for the better part of 70-something years. Or perhaps you come from cultures that, that do not recognize um, the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm, and so yeah. is, is it equally challenging to not only lay before people the need for a Savior in addition to starting with some of the fundamentals, meaning that God is?
1: You know it's a it's a great point. The reality is is that God has created us that the French philosopher Blaise Pascal said that in us is a void in the shape of God, and people try to fill it with all kinds of things. It's like putting diesel in a gasoline engine. What we want to do is give them the fuel that they need, and that is the Word of God, and it takes patience. It's not just handing a tract to people or confrontational evangelism anymore. You have to build a relationship, and so that's what we want to do. We want to connect with the community in a lot of creative ways. We're not going to compromise biblical integrity, but we're going to connect with these people, and I I feel blessed and in some ways uh, uniquely equipped. I pastored a Chinese church for a few years. I have uh, ministered in the South Pacific and in Russia. And uh, even the church, again, that I was at in SoCal uh, was uh, ethnically diverse. It was culturally diverse. And the bottom line is, is that the God of the universe has put something in them that they know viscerally, even if they try to suppress that truth, that they need him. And so we just want to seize the opportunities that he gives us to take the gospel to them, just like we would somebody in a faraway land like India or, or China or uh, the Arabian Peninsula.
0: And and in that context, I mean, certainly we've seen a major shift that has taken Mm -hmm. place in our country uh, of recent times, certainly economically, Mm -hmm. culturally, to be sure. Um, And I have to wonder toward that end, does this then force one, in a sense, to be very intentional about what they do from a ministry standpoint? And and let me define that for listeners. We see the better part of the history of the church in America— as a, almost casual or incidental, mm-hmm. meaning that most people that were raised in the influence of a church growing up continued to go to church as young adults. They raised their own families in church. That cycle continued. It was that way for many, many generations. Now we have perhaps the first full generation, maybe even two, for whom that sort of spiritual legacy within the household has a great disconnect. Mm-hmm either because once having reached collegiate level, there was a desire to go out and explore the world and never turn back to the church, if even having been churched in the first place. And then when you add into the mix... An area like the Bay Area mm-hmm. that is so rich in terms of the, the cultural, economic diversity, the educational even diversity mm-hmm. that we see mm-hmm. here, that one almost has to be intentional in yes. what we do in terms of reaching not only certain people groups, but also certain subsections of our own culture. Well, you know, Tim,
1: uh, Tim Keller writes a book called Center Church that talks a lot about that, and this is... Th- This is our approach at Hillside. We are gearing up, particularly for our Easter outreaches, to where we want to take every opportunity to connect with somebody. You think about it. You pass people on the street day in and day out. You stand in line at the grocery store. You stand in line at the ATM or wherever it is in your workplace, you were saved to serve as a Christian. You were put here for a reason. You were raised up for such a time as this. And our mission and our passion is to be about our Father's business. In the past, we were, as a culture, in some ways, fat, dumb, and happy. And as we – people do, don't do well spiritually in times of prosperity, but in times of uncertainty, in times of adversity, that's when the church thrives, and that's the time we're in now. And people know that money doesn't buy happiness. We used to say it rents. It doesn't even do that now. And so there is a, an unsettledness in the world that causes people to look around for truth and they can't find it, and I believe that God is using this difficult era in which we live to cause people to look up, and our goal is to be there as a neighbor, as a friend, as a colleague, as a church of 400 ministers of the gospel, to begin to answer the questions that people ask. And so we're really focusing on equipping ourselves to do that.
0: With us today in studio is the lead pastor from Hillside Church in San Jose and speaker on a new broadcast here on KFAX, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. called Grace to Live. He's Pastor Keith Crosby. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
0: Welcome back to our visit. In studio today, the lead pastor from Hillside Church and speaker on Grace to Live, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., right here on KFAX, he's Pastor Keith Crosby. We were talking just before the break, uh, Pastor, about um, that God shaped Mm -hmm. hole, the the vacuum that that Pascal spoke of. Mm -hmm. And I guess the sense then is we sometimes come to the false conclusion when we see the rise of secularism and a drifting away from. Um, the traditional Judeo-Christian ethic Mm -hmm. in our nation that Mm -hmm. we think people somehow have lost interest in things spiritual and Mm -hmm. that isn't at all the case. They're just looking for other non-traditional places in an effort to find answers Mm -hmm. ultimately to come back very unfulfilled Mm -hmm. and eventually if the church is good at what God's called us to do, Mm -hmm. find themselves coming back to the foot of the cross.
1: You know, Think about it right now, people all kinds of crazy new age religions remember the 70s song looking for love in all the wrong places mm-hmm. that 's what people are doing they haven 't stopped their spiritual odyssey, their spiritual search they 're just going to the wrong place, and the church uh, having adapted a consumer mindset in the not so distant past, has rendered itself largely irrelevant. What we want to do is to show the people that it 's not about whether or not God is relevant to th- to them it 's whether or not they are relevant to God. They need God. God loves them. God sent his son to die for them. He has He has offered every person, no matter who they are, where they come from, who their mother or father was, or what they've done, forgiveness and restoration as a gift if they turn away from the old way and they turn to him. And with all these people seeking all these things, things that do not satisfy, there is a, a, a truth meter in them that even though they may suppress the truth and try to ignore God, He's, he, they can't ignore him. And we, in that intentional evangelism and in that intentional uh, outreach, daily outreach on an individual and a collective basis, we want to put God in the forefront of their lives. How challenging has the role
0: of, you use the word, uh, the consumer mindset within mm-hmm. Christianity. Uh, one might call it Christianity light. Yes. Uh, Jesus without the doctrine, mm-hmm. um, a, a Christ that sort of moldable and fashionable into whatever feels comfortable mm-hmm. for me, the person who approaches Scripture and says, well, these passages I like, mm-hmm. so I'll highlight those, right. and those passages I'll just take a Sharpie in line right, right through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we've certainly seen a devolution mm-hmm. in relationship to theological integrity in the Mm -hmm. church, almost to the point where some might suggest that uh, it's time for a modern-day Martin Luther to go find today's version of the Wittenberg door and go nail the
1: second 99 thesis to it. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, you think about it. If you were building a building and you just chose the principles of physics and construction that you wanted, you couldn't get a permit, and that thing would collapse on itself, which is what many churches are doing now. Even in our church right now, we're preaching through the Ten Doctrines of the Christian Faith. We're calling this series Blueprint to remind ourselves of what we believe and why we believe it and equipping ourselves to explain it. But we do live in an era where people try to pick and choose, but you really can't. You can't pick and choose how you're going to do brain surgery, and you sure can't pick and choose how you're going to do soul surgery. Christ has defined himself. They say, oh, you can't put God in a box. Well, God has described himself. Exhaustively and sufficiently within his word. He hasn't said one word more than he needs to or one word less than he should. And we want to bring that Bible, that, that timeless teaching of God's word to bear upon our own hearts so that we can share it with the people around us. And people will know the truth when they hear it. And as Jesus said, the truth will set them free. Do they want to hear it? Not necessarily. Neither you nor I would enjoy getting a cancer diagnosis uh, from our, our doctor But it would be unloving for him not to tell us we had cancer and we needed treatment. And it's unloving for us not to give people the unadulterated, unbiblical Jesus. Uh, I think it was Voltaire who said in the beginning, God God created humanity, and ever since then, humanity's been trying to return the favor. (laughs) We want to do ourselves a favor and present God as he has presented himself to us in his word. Does this then bring us back full
0: circle to the importance of the church, as Scripture says, not only returning to our first love, Mm -hmm. but perhaps coming back to a better understanding of the fundamentals of the faith. And I ask that question because it's not difficult today Mm -hmm. to find a Christian almost anywhere, and Mm -hmm. I'm not just picking on the Bay Area, almost anywhere, that can tell you in general terms what they believe. They just Mm -hmm. can't tell you why they believe it. It's something I've always said, and it's, 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 I think, at a level quaint, and I Mm -hmm. want to choose my word wisely here. It's quaint to saying a little ditty like, uh, because the Bible tells me so, that's right. how I know. Sure. And yet there are a lot of people that don't even understand the fundamentals of what the Bible tells us mm-hmm. or a lack of understanding of the application as to why this matters to me. We talked mm-hmm. in the last segment about intentional ministry. And yes. I guess in that regard, when we look at some of the fundamentals of sin, salvation, sanctification, mm-hmm. um, the solas, yeah. God is very intentional, he is. In why those building blocks of the foundation of our faith are there, and absent using
1: those proper tools and building blocks, the whole house collapses in on itself, doesn't it? Not? There's no foundation. You know, you look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and it tells us that God's Word is inspired, breathed out by Him, and is useful for uh, doctrine, for correcting our course, for for instruction and training in righteousness so that we're adequate and equipped for every good work. The Bible helps us to make sense of our lives. And that's why we want to interpret our world, our existence, not through the lens of feeling and not through the lens of experience, but through the lens of Scripture. We want to weigh truth claims in the scales of God's Word because otherwise, you know, feelings are like the tides. They come and go or like the weather. It changes every 15 minutes. But as Peter said, the word of God endures, abides forever, and he's quoting Isaiah. Is part of the issue here a, a fundamental paradigm shift, where
0: scripturally and historically it was about making disciples, mm-hmm. and yet today we have certain branches of Christendom, uh, particularly those that I would place in the mega church, secret, sensitive mm-hmm. category, mm-hmm. that seem to be more about getting people to join a club, right? as opposed to understanding concepts like having offended a holy and Mm -hmm. righteous God. Mm -hmm. We will, for example, preach all about grace Mm -hmm. and yet leave out of the equation the judgment of God, the Mm -hmm. righteousness of God, the Mm -hmm. holiness of God. And I have to wonder, well, if, if... that, that's like saying, well, I'm going to sell you fire insurance, but fire insurance only means something if you understand what it means to be burnt. Exactly. So how do you, how do you preach a message of God's grace without mm-hmm. understanding that that grace is only amazing and significant if we understand what that grace is saving us from, rescuing us from, the, the price that's being paid by someone else on our behalf?
1: Yeah, no, you're you're a hundred percent right. In the Gospel of John, in in chapter one, it describes that Jesus was full of grace and truth. With if you just give grace without giving them the bad news, there is no good news without the bad news. You know, we are sinners. We are marching like lemmings off the off the cliff into the abyss. And were it not for God sending His Son to die for us and through His resurrection change us from the inside out and give us a heavenly hope, we'd be lost. And so there has to be a biblical balance. We have to be full of grace and truth. And grace is is that God saves anybody. But the truth is we don't deserve salvation because we have offended a holy God. And if we're honest with ourselves, no one had to teach us to lie, to steal, to cheat. People download and pirate software. People cheat on their expense accounts uh, expense accounts, I'm sorry. And when I was a child, no one had to teach me to pull my daughter, my sister's pigtails, not my daughter, she'd kill me for saying that, But, and no one had to teach me to lie to my parents. It came naturally. And so we need a Savior. He's like a lifeguard who dives down deep into this sinful earth and pulls us out of the waters of sin where we're drowning and flailing like a dying man.
0: Does the church then fundamentally need to shift back to teaching what true... Mm-hmm. discipleship means? And I, and I pose that question because, and I've seen the experiment done. Get up on a Sunday morning and say, just with everybody eyes, every eye closed, mm-hmm. every head bowed, raise your hand if mm-hmm. you've led anybody to Christ right? and see how many hands
1: go up. Right. These days, people are afraid of offending people. The, Jesus said the gospel is an offense. It's a, it's a sword that divides families. And the reality is when you tell people that they are a sinner and they need a Savior, that's offensive. But you know what? It's like, again, I go back to the cancer patient. When a doctor sits down with a patient and says, look, you've got cancer, and and we've got to start treatment now, he doesn't say, oh, well, that's so harsh and unloving. Who are you to judge me? But that's the way we live and think today because our our thinking has become so – bent and so watered down that we can't think straight. We can't even reason these days. Has the
0: focus shifted off of him and onto us? It has. More about the creation than the creator.
1: Exactly. It's all about us and not about God. And we forget that God is not a politician looking for a vote. He's a king calling us to worship him. And you know, he's not out taking polls. He's telling us what the truth is. And that's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that opens our eyes to the world around us and shows us our need for a Savior and shows us that it's not that God has abandoned us. It's that we've abandoned him, and he's there ready, willing, and able to forgive and to restore us.
0: Visiting today in studio with the lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose. By the way, if you're new to the Bay Area and looking for a church home in the South Bay, you may want to check them out on Sunday. You can get more information on the web at hillside.org. That's hillside.org. Also, Pastor Crosby has a broadcast here on KFAX called Grace to Live. It's heard Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., so make a point to tune in for that. We'll take a brief time-out and come back to more of the conversation right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
0: Welcome back to our conversation. In studio is Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor from Hillside Church in San Jose. More information, by the way, about his ministry online at hillside.org. That's hillside.org. Sunday mornings, be sure to check out his broadcast, Grace to Live. That's at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, Grace to Live, right here on KFAX. We were talking a bit Pastor Crosby before the break about this notion that there's been this paradigm shift where we've, we've taken emphasis off of the fundamentals of the faith, off of discipleship, and almost moved Christianity into, hey, would you like to join my club? Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of neat benefits. God will heal you, and he'll save you from hell, and maybe even put a brand new car in your driveway. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if it's about what he's going to do, For us, Mm -hmm. in a materialistic Mm -hmm. fashion, which is certainly very appealing to the flesh, Mm -hmm. but fundamentally ignores an important
1: factor, and that Mm -hmm. is it's not about what he's going to do, it's about what he's already done. Amen. Well said. Well said. You know, if I was going to join a club, a social club, I sure wouldn't want one that gets up early on Sunday morning. And that's the problem. When you make the church a social club, nobody wants to get out of bed in the morning and go there. And that's why. You look at one of the major major mainline denominations. They're losing a thousand churches a year. They've lost a million people since two thousand because they're irrelevant. They've made themselves into a social club. People need to know that there is hope. People need truth. They need to be told how things are. They need to be told. They need, they need to understand that they're not here by accident. That God created them. That He created them for a purpose. And that and this is why we're, we 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 preach the way we do. We we preach expository preaching at our church because we want to systematically explain to people in a way that they can understand and apply daily who God is, who they are, where they came from, why they're here, where they're headed, and how God thinks so that they can think like he does and live for him and really find true fulfillment, which is – living in harmony with the God who made you and the God who loves you and the God who sent his son to die for you.
0: Does that relevancy only take place within the context of relationship?
1: Uh, yes and no. It, it helps when you're talking to somebody who has no religious background at all to, to to get to know them a little bit better, to know what makes them tick, and to know how to explain it to them because there is no one-size-fits-all evangelistic presentation. At the same time... Preaching the truth week in and week out is essential. You, you can't just purely make it a consumer-driven issue because you have all kinds of people from all kinds of places, and God's Word has something to say about every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of their existence, and at the right time and place within the context of the worship service, the Holy Spirit will prick or will stimulate that desire to know more. Let's take
0: it a, a step deeper. mm mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we will hear people that have tried consumer Christianity. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. you know, I went to church for a while, but yeah. it didn't work. Right, uh, a bunch of heretics there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the people. The organ music's boring, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so they would they would define Christianity as they see it in a modern um, cultural setting mm-hmm. as irrelevant. Right, and yet I wonder if the relevancy of Christianity mm-hmm. really comes into fruition when you have an active Relationship with very God Himself. I mean, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we understand that Christ's work on the cross was yes to pay the price on our behalf, mm-hmm. so that we might be forgiven. Yes, and ultimately walk in relationship right. with God. God is is not just in the business, so to speak, of
1: saving people Mm -hmm. but he saves us with a purpose absolutely he wants you to live that purpose you're not here by accident god put you here for a reason and he will make that reason plain to you as you enter into that relationship with him but you can't survive in this world without a relationship with god me as an individual knowing god having a relationship with god defines me and the way that i look at my life Uh, we, we talked earlier my daughter was Struck down in a crosswalk in a car accident a little over a month and a half ago. She nearly died. She was in a coma. As part of her injury, she had two strokes. The strokes gave her her paralysis. She was a violinist trained at the Eastman Conservatory up in upstate New York. And because I know God, because I know that he's good, because I understand that we live in a broken world and that bad things happen, I can trust him to keep me Standing on two feet and to help her in her recovery, and to understand that all things do work together for good. He, you know, there was a plan. This wasn't an accident. And while I wouldn't have written this story for my own life, God knows best. Father knows best. And even what people intend for evil against us, God intends for good. And so I can make sense of all this. It's not easy. Do I cry from time to time? I do. Do I grieve for my daughter as she goes through this painful recovery? I do, but I understand that God is there, that this life is short and eternity is long, and that no matter what happens in this life, it's really just a vapor and a whisper. What really matters is where my daughter is going to spend eternity and where am I going to spend eternity, and that we can, as a family, spend eternity together.
0: Is that sense of trust, that understanding,
1: deepened and quickened because of your relationship it is, because you know what? Relationships are tested. Life is hard. And sometimes you think, well, why did this happen? But the real question is, is what does God want me to do with this? And the longer I know and trust God, the more, you know, each event in your life is training for the coming events. It's, he's, he's preparing us for ministry. And it, it, through her accident, she and her husband have reached out and connected to thousands of people in 20 countries. Even while she's still undergoing uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, people from all over the world were, were sending letters of encouragement. And my, my son-in-law, Ivan, was able to post on his Facebook page day-by-day aspects of her recovery and improvement, and she still has miles to go. We're probably talking a couple of three, five years. It's hard to say, but we know that God is there. He is faithful, and we know how the story ends suddenly, as you see through the pain and the loss and, and the fight that
0: she has to mm-hmm. to put up to, to get through this experience, God's great
1: plan yes. begins to emerge. Right. Nothing happens by accident. And the reality is, too, he's made me a better pastor through this. I mean, I've been in tons of emergency rooms. I've been in a morgue or two walking in to a surgical ICU unit and standing over your daughter who's in a coma and on a ventilator really brings it home. And through that, I believe he's made me more compassionate. I've considered myself, always considered myself a compassionate person, but he's really taught me to trust him in ways that I would never have imagined. He's taught my wife and my other daughter and my son-in-law to do the same. And even Grace, after she came out of her coma and began her recovery uh, and had learned she, you know, she, she couldn't talk at first. Now she's back to normal in her speech. She's still partially paralyzed, but she know that she knows this: that God is good, that there is a plan, and that the, and at the end of the age, at the end of the day, she'll be restored, if not in this life, certainly in the next.
0: That sense of re- relational Christianity I, I find fascinating too, because if we think about the world's dominant mm-hmm. religions, yes. Um, Hinduism does not offer a personal relationship with God. No, an unknowable God. Islam certainly does not. Ditto. Buddhism does not. Christianity is the only world religion that speaks of the capacity to walk in direct relationship, direct fellowship with the very God creator of the universe.
1: Absolutely. This God has pursued us. Adam and Eve sent in the garden, he went looking for them. He went looking for Abraham. He went looking for Moses. He sent the prophets after Israel, and he sent Jesus after us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants what's best for us. He knows left to our own devices, we'll destroy ourselves and the world. And this God has invaded the time-space-matter continuum in the form of Jesus Christ, he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He paid the debt that we owed him by taking the penalty for our sin, for our selfishness in his own person. And then he demonstrated power over sin, death, and hell by raising Christ from the grave. And with that resurrection power, we have an eternal hope. We know that this life is not, is not all there is. We know that God is sovereign, and we know that he's going to make all things right and that he is personally interested in the lives of his people.
0: With us today, Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose. Information on the web at hillside.org. The broadcast, Grace to Live, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here on KFAX. We invite you to tune in for that. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig
0: Roberts. Welcome back. We've got... Keith Crosby, let me say that again. Welcome back. We have Pastor Keith Crosby in studio with us today. He's lead pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose. Hey, if you're new to the Bay Area or seeking a new church home, want to find out a little bit more about the ministry, you can find them on the web, hillside.org. They meet at 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, and service times 1045 a.m. for the worship service, 9 a.m. for Bible study and fellowship. And you also have a spanish speaking congregation that we, meets at 1 o'clock.
1: We sure do. Iglesia Libra. And we're really excited because we've just called a new pastor. Uh, Roberto Mongia is moving from Austin to here. Hopefully he'll be starting in March, and we are just so excited to have him. He's a pastor's son. He is a sweet guy. He knows the Word of God. He's well-trained, and he loves the people of God, and he loves the lost. Fantastic. And again,
0: more information available by going to hillside.org. From the perspective of the pulpit, Mm -hmm. What's your biggest heartbeat? When you get up in front of the congregation every Sunday and say, I'm about to open God's Word, and you think about all of the issues, the challenges, the burdens Mm. that the people sitting in those pews are facing, as God is talking to you, what are some of the key things that you feel most important to express and scriptural passages and foundations of the faith most critical to communicate to those people?
1: I want them to understand the mind of God, which is found in the Word of God. You know, we live in an era that's experientially driven, and people say, oh, well, I had a dream last night, or or God told me this, or God told me that. Really, God has sent us this Word, this Bible, the 66 books, the completed canon of the Old and New Testaments, And what he's told us is everything we need to know about life, who he is, how to please him, what makes us tick, what we should and should not do. It's not a rule book. It's a roadmap. It's a spiritual GPS that helps us navigate around the slings and the arrows and the torrents and the turbulence of this life. And what I want to do is systematically and expositionally open the word of God and make it understandable so that people can apply it to every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of their life.
0: And that application, that's something that the individual in the pew, we that have a relationship with Christ, we mm-hmm. need to be actively participatory in that relationship. Absolutely. Don't we? I mean, think about the average marriage relationship out there. Or If you never saw your wife, talked to your wife, communicated right. with your wife, had you know barely any contact, it will be difficult to say that you have much of a relationship and certainly could come back from that and say, well, I don't get much out of it. Is there a concept here in part that says that for those that say, I don't get much out of Christianity, that's because they're not putting much into it?
1: Exactly. You know, there is expository preaching, and there is expository listening. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8, it talks about how they opened the Word of God and they explained the sense of it to people. And the people there listened as one man, the, the men, the women, and those who could understand. And so, yeah, it requires, you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace, you're saved by faith, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you receive a gift that you can't earn or purchase for yourself. But as you live for God, you are expected to labor for God, to apply yourself to understanding this love letter written from another world, by the God who made everything, including you, and made you for a purpose. And that does take effort on our part. And that
0: labor, that 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 sense of effort, is really an outgrowth, isn't it, of yes. relationship? Absolutely. I mean, people often get confused. We see it all the time where they have a sense they're trying to, to work toward heaven. They're trying yeah. to, through their good work, somehow gain brownie points so sure. that God will, uh, on the day of judgment, say, yep, your name is right here. Come on in. The sad reality is it's not that we have to do works to Mm -hmm. be saved. It's that we get to do. Yeah. And we do it out of a sense of love for this God that has saved us because we know him, because we have relationship with him. And that knowing, that developing of that relationship comes through things like the reading of God's word, time and prayer, Mm. uh, investing time in
1: that relationship as we would with our spouse. Absolutely. When you think of all that God has done for us, we we should want to do things for him. If somebody is kind to you isn't your knee-jerk response if you're if you're a quote-unquote good person to do something for them and when you think of where you were headed and what was coming in, in your eternal future and how god has diverted you away from that disaster and how he has his he has to showered his love on you in the form of jesus christ i mean you it would just seem only logical you'd want to know more about him that you'd want to do more for him as an act of thanksgiving, as an act of love. You know, love is reciprocal. Somebody loves us, we tend to love them back, and we should do no less for God. In a sense, I think, too,
0: of out of that relationship, motivated mm. to share, yes, to talk about it. That's right. Uh, you know, if, if, if we were invited to a dinner With a king or a queen or a head of state, we would be all excited. We'd be telling our friends, look at the invitation that came in the mail. Guess who I get to have dinner with? Guess who I spoke to? There would be that that innate sense of excitement. And the irony is we have been invited to such a banquet. We have. And we have an opportunity to have a place at the table. We do. And to know personally the very God and creator of the universe— and as we know him and we see the ways in which he has touched our lives, I think out of that is a, a natural desire that you don't have to go out and, you know, let me stop you and read from the four spiritual laws. Sure, sure, the, sure. The, the the very forced sense of evangelism as opposed to the natural inclination to want to be able to share a little bit about this amazing relationship that you have Mm -hmm. with the very God creator of the
1: universe. It only makes sense. You think about it. Somebody receives a raise, they want to tell somebody. Somebody receives a promotion, they want to tell somebody. Somebody buys a new car, they want to show it to them. Think about this. You have been rescued from destruction, from sin, death, and hell, from crazy wrong thinking that only leads to harm. And and if you really love your neighbor, if you really care about people, if you really want to engage in true social justice, you want to tell people about God. You want to tell people about Christ. If, If they're dying of thirst in the desert and you have water and you don't share it with them, I mean, that's unconscionable. And so our passion for people should come from our thanksgiving to God and the passion that Christ suffered for us on Calvary's cross.
0: And this comes back full circle to some of the principles that we talked about at the very get-go, uh, not only an understanding of the foundations of the faith, mm-hmm. uh, but how to apply those foundations, mm-hmm. how to be actively engaged in relationship with God through, as we said, prayer, sure. uh, Bible reading, going to church, sitting under the expository, preaching and teaching of God's Word. And then in through and all of that, then,
1: this relationship will grow and mm-hmm. will flourish. Mm-hmm. It will, it, it, because it's it's like a a plant or a seed that you're watering, and as you water it, it, it it grows and blossoms, and it bears fruit. And when I go to bed at night, I don't worry. I I live a worry-free life, even under the burden of my daughter's serious accident and injury. I know this that it's not up to me; it's up to God. Uh my my life's. Credo or a motto is simple, abide in Christ, keep his word, and let Jesus do the heavy lifting. And in that is great peace. My faith isn't a blind faith, it's a very rational faith. The God who made the universe, who spoke the time, matter, space, continuum in existence when he said, Let there be light, is capable of watching over me, of providing for me, of showing me the way that I should go through his word guided and encouraged and strengthened by his spirit, and also walking arm-in-arm with the people of God at my church. So
0: this Christianity is not check your brains at the door and by blind faith just hope for a good outcome.
1: Definitely not. It's a very rational faith. It's a very reasoned faith. When you think about it, we look around the studio, and we can see the hand of man everywhere. This studio just didn't happen by accident. This desk isn't where it is. This microphone just isn't where it is. When you look at the world around you, the sun rises and sets on schedule, the beauty of the sunrise and sunset, the rising and setting of the moon, you see evidence of God's invisible attributes made visible by all that he's made. You know that you're not alone. You know that he's there. And that's why I really don't believe in atheists or agnostics. There are people who want not to believe in God and would like to be, to feign ignorance, but at the end of the day, the Bible tells us in Psalm 19, 1 through 6, and Romans 1, 18 through 20, that there's no person who's ever lived that isn't aware of God's existence. But they suppress the truth because they want to live for themselves. But God designed us to live for others. And
0: also to, in that relational experience, to to come to put our trust in him, Mm -hmm. not just for things like our salvation, but I I think of the experience that your daughter has been going through Mm -hmm. since the car accident, and how seeing that as her father breaks your heart. It does. And yet to know that it also breaks the heart of our Heavenly Father. It does. And that... God knows what it's like to see a child go through pain and suffering. He does. And that we can surrender that burden, that pain, that I don't know what's happening here Mm -hmm. or why sense that we all go through Mm -hmm. from time to time in circumstances and situations in life and be able to say, God, I lay this at your feet. It's bigger and, and more beyond my capacity to completely comprehend or do anything about but nothing is out of the realm and reach of your capacity, and in your great plan, which I don't perhaps fully understand right now, but mm-hmm. in your great plan, at the end of the day, the one thing that we are completely and fully persuaded of, and that is, you are in
1: control. Amen. You know what you just said is a, is a, is what we find in Philippians four six through nine. Don't worry. Pray. Dwell on what you know is good and true that God is in control. And practice these things, discipline your mind to practice these things, and the God of peace, and I would submit to you, the peace of God will be with you. And that's that's what you have to do. Uh, the only way this all makes sense is if there's a God. For an atheist or an agnostic or whomever, when they live in a world where there is no transcendent truth, there is no God, you can't have morality without God. The universe, if if it's an anonymous universe, doesn't know and doesn't care. And our lives are purposeless and we're here by accident. But we know that God made us for a purpose, that that there is good, that there is evil, and that God will conquer sin, death, evil, and hell, and that we have hope. For the future.
0: And that there is certainty out there. There is certainty. And if you're unsure of that, uh, try stepping to the ledge of a three-story building and ask whether or not gravity is certain. Right. And uh, depending upon how you <laughs>
1: conclude that answer to that question may, may, may determine, in fact, your fate. A college professor told one of my students, I don't believe in objective truth and I don't believe that words have meaning. And my student said, well, you just made an absolute statement, and you use words to communicate it. You know, there are absolutes. There is certainty. You and I can't know everything exhaustively all at once. That's God's arena. But we can know the truth sufficiently to explain it to others and to lead them to be rescued by God. And that is the joy of opening God's Word and, and
0: diving into this wonderful love letter that helps explain his plan for us, mm-hmm. his love for us his character, and that model, that roadmap, if you will, as Pastor Crosby described it a moment ago, for our lives. Mm. You like what you've heard so far? Want to go a little deeper? Be sure to tune in to Grace to Live Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. with Pastor Keith Crosby. And if you'd like to uh, check out the church, Hillside Church in San Jose, details available on the web at hillside.org. That's hillside.org. Pastor Keith Crosby, thanks so much for the time today.